Should I hit record? No, do the thing that you do, but when it's a special episode. On tonight's Dad Band Land, enjoy. Is there a thing? There isn't a thing yet. There kind of okay. should be. Okay. Try one. All right. On tonight's Dad Band Land, you take us on a trip. Ah, no. 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 Was, was... On tonight's Dad Band Land, yeah. Russia employs you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working. Still, still All right. Working, working progress. Working progress. Play the theme song. Yeah, that's right. It's Dad Van Land special, special edition, edition number four, SE4. Why is I, this one so special, Adam? Well, it's uh, it's because we're off this week. <laughs> and, nice. and what we do for our special editions, they're kind of like mini episodes, but they they can be Just darn substantial. Yeah. special. And what we did is, if you guys remember, if you're a devoted dad band listener, yes. dad band land listener, then you know that this is the podcast where we obsess about music from the perspective of a neighborhood cover band, more or less. That's our tagline. We're sticking with it. And, um, <laughs> and we have a special edition, your favorite concert experiences. Last week we did ours. This week it's time for yours. I'm Adam Felber. I'm your host. I am Kevin Burke. I am co-hosting this special event. Let's meet Let's meet the rest of the crew. We I'm can... Jeffy Branion. Usually you're uh, you're the guy who runs Jeffy's Jukebox. Icebox. Or Icebox, yeah. as the case may be. It is summertime. And over there is Brian Frank, band manager. And, and, and usually, usually the purveyor of the house of wax, but right? Tonight it's the house of uh, concert ticket stubs. Yeah, I was gonna say ticket oh, stubs, interesting ticket stubs. So we shared our, our concert experiences. Brian was a little bit um, uh, pissy about it. I have a list, I have a list. He had a list, it was a long list. Brian had a list, and we only got to do one or two. He uh, one, I'm, one, I only got to do one. Is that right? Yeah, no, just I, one. I believe that you talked a little bit about other concert experiences along the way. <laughs> and I, I, I have no doubt that you're going to be able to worm a few in this week. See, I used that, that worm. Verb again. Worm. Yeah. worm. Worm. There it is he again. Clever, he clever langed it. it. He clever langed it in. So we've got, we've got all your responses ahead uh, in front of us. And I got to say, I posted that question, like, what was your best concert experience? Like, And on Twitter, I instantly got like 120 replies. Yeah. Well, I think going to a concert is is one of the few things that is not a shared like n- people can't watch it be, be there with you your emotional state. It's it's a thing that's really special to people even to this day. And so yeah. I think this is we could have many special episodes about people's favorite concert experiences. It, apparently, you're never going to run out. It's a communal experience, but it's a personal experience yeah. at the same yeah. time. And if you're and if you weren't there, you weren't there. You no, missed it. it. You, you missed it. And sometimes it's even like a church experience, right? Sometimes yeah. you go there and a you— communal A experience. communal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. And and especially from a certain era, one thing that's cool now is, while I'm annoyed by phones at concerts, we're at least documenting concerts mm-hmm. in a way we never did ever. Mm-hmm. I was watching the No Nukes Springsteen concert. There's, like, barely footage of even that concert they had to put together. Like, we don't have footage of these great bands yeah. doing great things— so everyone on this list is pretty much going from memory. These concerts can't be found anywhere. Yeah, they, they are, they're mostly lost. Yeah. I will say it was really impressive. Bill Graham used to film the shows at Winterland, and there's an archive oh, wow. of filmed concerts from wow. like the 60s and 70s. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's just start throwing some bodies out the door. <laughs> I, I got I got hell? one I, I on the on the Twitter machine um, from a guy named Duff Howell, 
at HR Duffin stuff with some uh, Love you, underscores. Um, this one I think is, is for me and Kevin. 1985 <laughs> Oakland Heavy Metal Day on the Green. Oh, Check yeah. this out. Rat, right. yeah. Victory, Metallica, Ingve Malmsteen's Rising Force opening for, he says, the Scorpions. Duff, I or, love you, but the it's Scorps. Scorpions. It's yeah, the no, Scorpions. It's just There's no Scorpions. Duff. It's just There's no duff. It's rock group Scorpions. Scorpions. Or, it straight. The yeah. Scorps. There you go. Nobody That's amazing. You, we call it the Scorps, Jeffy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to slide away from the Scorps because we talked about them a couple weeks ago, and I want to slide towards Ingve because that's an interesting one to kind of talk about well, the for idea, a second. The idea that there's a time that Metallica opened for Ingve is, <laughs> is really fascinating. For those of you who aren't as obsessive as we are, Ingve Malmsteen is kind of a a little bit of a um, a unicorn in the world of an music. Outlier. Are, maybe there's a couple of others, but like he's a guy, a heavy metal guitarist who is known his whole act, you know revolves around the fact that he's a heavy metal virtuoso. Like, yes. he's a he's just a guitar god who never attached his guitar godliness to anything other than being a guitar god. Well, it's not like he's got these songs that everybody's like, oh, play that Melmstein hit. Uh, well, wow. are you familiar at all, Adam, with Uli John Roth? That's a familiar name to me. Kevin, are you? I'm familiar with the name. I didn't know his music as well. Is he oh. another Malmstein? He, he is, and he's also the inventor of this special guitar that he created that gets more octaves or notes or something. Jeffy, mm. Jeffy you're, you're the this. jukebox guy. Can, while we're talking about this, could you uh, just play us a little bit of Ingve Malmsteen? The, the play thing- the first song on Rising Force. Yes, please. <laughs> Keep talking. While <laughs> and, and by it. the way, it's got a great name. <laughs> I, I didn't intend to do needle drops, but Ingve is such an he's such Yngwie a weird is, phenomenon. I I agree. And and of that concert, which I've only ever seen the metallic the Metallica footage, and they're playing it's totally during the day. I've seen that, and that's very popular. Um, anything else from that show? In fact, if anybody's been to the Us Festival, that's another one that mm, I feel like we should all yes. have footage of. But um, I don't know if anyone... And there is. The yeah, there is. But so, Here we go. Yes. Should we skip ahead, Kevin? Uh, no, just no. This is part. This is part of the drama of Ingve. We have to earn this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't just jump to the Ingve. We have to... There does seem to be a force rising. What's that? There does seem to be a force rising. The force is rising. I mean, his, spe- his speed is insane. He's Ingve. No, you don't need that. <laughs> no, it, it, that's, what's, that's what's hilarious and amazing about Ingve is, first of all, he's he's European, so somehow we give him a classier, like, he must be, he's probably a descendant from Beethoven, right? Yeah, yeah. And then also, no one knows who who sings in in, in Rising Forest. There's a vocalist. No one yeah, cares. It's the only band I can yeah. think of where no one cares who's singing. It's, it's just Ingve. only Ingve. Yeah. Yes. And, and uncluttered with hits is his career. <laughs> 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 or singles. I want to throw one out just because Ingve reminded me of it. Sure. And so I, I went and found it. Zen Zero, our fan um, on Twitter, says, I don't know about best. I don't really rank things like this. But the first time I saw Stanley 
Jordan in concert was mind-blowing. I've never seen anyone play like that. It was hard to believe it was a solo performance. Now, the reason I... Brian's nodding because he knows why I would liken Stanley Jordan to Ingve, another musical virtuoso who played in a style so distinct and unique, people tended to pay more attention to his, um, what, what do you call that when you do that? The way, play the way. Tapping? Ta- ta- technique? His tapping solos? His, his it wasn't hammer-ons. solos. He, 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 his entire thing was about playing on the neck of the guitar like this. I don't, I yeah, don't, that would yeah. be tapping. Tapping, yes. Yeah. But tapping in a way that nobody has ever tapped. Jeffy, drop some on us. So, yeah, he's completely up on the neck the whole time. I don't think the guy has ever touched a pick or right. touched the, the right side of his guitar. Um, and it's so mind-boggling to watch, and he's so fast. Uh, that wasn't a particularly fast guy, but he's so fast. He's kind of like uh, the jazz Ingve. The smooth Ingve. <laughs> sure. Smooth Ingve. Yeah. 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 Less <laughs> rising force, more like rising chill. Yeah, you know, yeah, being a novelty, having a novel way of playing an instrument isn't necessarily necessarily your best formula for success. Um, you probably I, saw I think, a lot of tickets. I think Russ on Roland Kirk distracted a bunch of people with his mm. his antics. Um, you guys familiar with him, the jazz saxophonist? Yeah, often played two saxophones at the same time, different lines, and at one point played two flutes at the same time. I believe one through his nose. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. And Kevin, the you other got one? through his. Um, no, I'm going through this. I'm going through this. There, there are so many. And what's what is? I mean, I, I it's up in the regular show, but there are so many people just drop prints. There's like simply prints. It's that. And I just I just want to point out that that every print show was different. And any time you saw prints, you can safely tell yourself this is in the top ten concerts you ever saw. Like there was just nobody like that. No, yeah, no, even no, no. even like a. No, for, a subpar prints. Yeah, no, and still. and there really weren't. There's not like an era where people are like, oh yeah, he was. Bad at that time. No, it, it it's it's all good. And if you had the opportunity to see him while while he was alive, then uh, you should count your blessings. <laughs> and that's, that's not a Prince song. Right I was there. getting very pensive about my my yeah, take on that. Okay, so Rich Highland on Facebook says Van Halen Hide Your Sheep Tour, nineteen eighty three. Yes. First oh. of all, yes. As another fan pointed out. Uh, there was a tour called Hide Your Sheep. There, yes, that's, that's fantastic. That's, that is as 80s Van Halen as you can get. Rich and, goes know. on, my friend Dan and I snuck in a camera, the kind with flash cubes, in our <laughs> cowboy boots, worked our way to the front row, and I took some pictures of VH at the height of their powers. I still have them, and then he even posted oh one. Oh, my God. A, a picture of Eddie. So rad, Rich. That's yeah. so that's nice. fantastic. And, and look, I'm, I'm of the age where I never <laughs> saw... Prime Van Halen, even though they're my favorite rock band that ever existed, wow. and so this will always be the holy grail to me that I will never. If I invite like, a time like machine, after Kiss, your favorite rock band ever. Jesus Christ! Why'd you have to ruin the moment? I was really having a moment yeah, emotional. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was really, right yeah down. God, why'd you have to bring me down? No, no, because I could see Kiss whenever I want to, and they would have sucked at any time that I saw. <laughs> oh, <it. laughs> um, Wait, I thought you loved Kiss. I don't. What? It's very confusing. I thought you guys were my friends. No, I loved so not liking right Kiss. Or I love hating Kiss, or I hate that I love Kiss, and I can't figure out what that is. It's, and when I'm old, I'll you, get there. It's you love, you love, you're filled with love, Kevin. Oh, let's get back to Van fucking Halen. Okay. I've <laughs> never seen them live, and anyone who's out there who's seen prime era Van Halen, and to the point of there's no footage. Like the idea that Van Halen. Well, there's, there's the Us Festival. There's the Us <laughs> Festival, but never no legally released footage of original Van Halen 
has ever come out. And that's, that's I mean, even going back to Led Zeppelin, there's only like two Led Zeppelin concerts that exist, maybe three that exist. We don't have footage of these bands. Yeah. Oh my goodness. My, my, sorry. Yeah, yeah when I just put that you know, down. Why don't you stop talking to your phone? What's going on there? <laughs> no, I just, we'll take it was that unlocked and I tapped it. All right. But we're not even going to talk Kind of like that. Stanley Jordan with the guitar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Colleen on Twitter says, okay, I've got to say the first one I ever went to, which was Adam Ant at Brandeis. In excess were the opening act, and everyone in line was asking what Inks was. I was in the eighth grade, April 12th, 1983. It was Tuesday, and I am an Ant person to this day. Wow. I recently watched Adam Ant perform on Live Aid because I'd never seen him perform live, and he was surprised. I don't say surprisingly good, but that was a bit before my time. And well, yeah, was really, uh, really Adam Ant, I was aware of him, but what do we make of Adam Ant and Adam of the Ants? Brian, you must have some opinions there. You love him. <laughs> <laughs> like Kevin, he's a little before my time. I know some people who are really uh, ant person. Is that is yeah, are we going to use yeah. that ant term? Ant. Okay. Uh, ant I know uh, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray, a uh, big Adam Ant fan, tried to convince me how great Adam Ant was. <laughs> I haven't done the I haven't done the research. I don't know, but I've heard great things. Like pe- yeah. honestly, pe- anyone who I know who's seen him in concert, like dude, you have to see Adam Ant. He's well, amazing. And it, my only, I mean, my first exposure to him was the Prince Charming video. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I only knew him, and he was. By the time I was getting into sort of eighties music, he had sort of peaked. And he 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 um, left the ants. He he was Adam and the Ants. That yes. was his band, and then yes. he became Adam and. And my exposure to him was strictly MTV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same. I same. think he had some personal issues and dropped out of things for a while and came back. He still tours. People yeah, go see. Yeah, back. people yeah. can go see them. Um, I don't have a concert, but I guess it's a broad thing. I'm just noticing a lot of people have written here. First pandemic, con- post pandemic concert. First, this Boom. like, this is going to change the way we look. There's going to be there's lost years of concert going here. There's a yeah, whole there's experience lost years of, everything. of everything, but concert going especially like there's just been yeah. that missing communal experience for people, which yeah. is vital. Jeffro, Jeff the whitest Wakandian <laughs> on Twitter, says they might be giants at the Bowery Ballroom in NYC right before COVID shut the world down. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's fascinating that um, that I mean again I can't there's nothing like that it's not like we had rock concerts during the Spanish flu do you know what I mean there's nothing that we can liken that to that's really interesting it was it was a really you know it was challenging for the whole industry obviously and all the people that uh, work uh, doing concerts from bands and venues and yeah. people who work at venues and parking attendants I mean you know everyone everywhere and it's been interesting working with bands coming back and playing shows for the first time since the pandemic and the feelings associated with it on the band side as well right you know right. because think about this this is what I do for a living and I am unable I am yeah. unable to do what oh, I yeah. do well for if you're my a performer job. of yeah. uh, if you're a performer of any kind yeah. you you know that I I did a um a wait wait don't tell me in San Francisco three weeks ago, and it was the you know we've been we've been in our bedrooms recording mm-hmm. remotely for the entire pandemic. This is the first time I'd been in front of an audience, um, in in three years or two and a half years, and it was amazing. All of a sudden, I'm in a room and there's 1,100 people there, and I, I it was just gone from my life for so long. Yeah. yeah, I just want to point out we have a conversation on here. There's someone 
Bruce with a bunch of numbers after his name, which which I would think would be a bot, but he clearly has experience. Um, <laughs> having a discussion with someone named Sharon, and this discussion is about what Led Zeppelin shows they saw in 73, 74. Oh, wow. Is that on our uh, Twitter feed? That is feed? on our Twitter feed. That's well, Bruce, awesome. Bruce saw Led Zeppelin at some place called the Salt Palace that I do not know. Then he saw ACDC at the Whiskey. What? Are you shitting me? And then Earth, Wind, and Fire also at the Salt Palace. Bruce. To which, to which Sharon's like, I saw Led Zeppelin at the Salt Palace, 73, 74. And he's like, I saw them in 70. This, this can't be real. Bruce is a bot. Nobody saw them in 1970, right? That, nobody, nobody had <laughs> the word. That actually that happened. That, that's a myth. That's Bruce, like, Bruce, the bot with the numbers, we love you. Thanks wow. for sharing what, all that. Uh, yeah, what an incredible just experience that you could take, take for Kevin granted. to a Van Halen concert. Yeah. yeah. If I invent a time, time machine, machine that's, the first, that's the first thing I'm doing. I'm not going to end war. I'm going to yeah. go see Van Halen on every <laughs> yeah, tour. Yeah, if you have a time machine, you've got lots yeah. of time to figure that that's out. That's a good one. You've got to get to I can go to every Van Halen show. Yeah. There's another one from the 70s. Shawnee O'Bradley on Twitter, whose Twitter handle is O'Bradley Shawnee, saw Bob Dylan and the Rolling Thunder Review in Buffalo in 1975. Oh, that's impressive. How fucking cool is I that? I saw that uh, recent uh, Scorsese, film? Really Scorsese yeah. film. Hey, um, you know what else is super hot? These products. <laughs> Dad <All right>. Van Land. <laughs> And we're back, DBL Spec Ep Four, Spec Ep Spec Ep Four, and we are having a lot of fun here, sharing your favorite concert experiences. I want to go straight to Maggie Soliday on Twitter, just because I think this band doesn't get mentioned enough. Her favorite concert ever, Fishbone at the Crystal Ballroom in Portland, Oregon. The floor is on ball bearings; it bounces. And yep. bouncing is how you dance to Fishbone. Fishbone, do you guys know Fishbone? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They are, like, I saw them in Northampton, Massachusetts. Um, and Oh, my. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they are everything that British ska bands thought they were. Like, they are so aggressive, and they're, and they're so cool. And they, I have never, and they're so tight. I've never been to a show that where they just... Assaulted you with their fantastic hard edge ska music. Yeah, when I so I saw the Beastie Boys on their first ever tour, and the opening acts were Murphy's Law and Fishbone. That's crazy. And I was 13, 14. Uh, you didn't 13. know what you were seeing. I had no idea. <laughs> it was like one of the first concerts that I, you know, right. went to that my mom right. didn't take me to kiss and watch. Right. Yeah, and watch. holy, oh, kiss so again. people, yeah, people, <laughs> literally, this happened. People ripped the seats out of the venue, yeah. and the Beastie Boys were banned from ever appearing. Oh, wow. there again. I would give Fishbone yeah. a lot of credit for that because I'm sure yes. they riled. You. Yeah. I mean, it was aggressive awesome. is the only word I could think about. I mean, it's you awesome. think of all these like. Metal bands. I know you love your metal bands, Kevin. But, yeah, but like, I like how your voice went, I know you love your metal bands. I know you love your little metal bands, Kevin. <laughs> you love your metal bands. But I, I will say that, like, looking at, uh, at, at other punk bands and metal bands, they simulate the kind of amazing energy and aggression that Fishbone just has in yeah. them all yeah. the time. Yeah, I would say, I mean, but again, any of these bands, especially that, like, Fishbone always maintained that we are almost like young at the start feel that gets lost by any band that becomes successful. Like you can't see these metal bands or punk bands when they get big because then it's a show. Right. When you find mm -hmm. it being that young not show show, mm -hmm. that can't be beat. Um, on um, on Facebook, Alex Gradette was at Pearl Jam Mud Honey 
in Virginia in 1994 on the day they found Kurt Cobain's body. So there is a whole vibe to that. And in fact, thinking about it at the time, it wasn't like, I mean, I guess if you could watch MTV, but if you're at a concert, like, it's just rumors going around. You don't know what's. No one's checking their phone. So you know. I, w- I was at work that day at Capitol Records, and the way we found out was there was a thing. It was called Rock Facts, F-A-X. Rock Facts. And <laughs> it would just come through the fax oh, right, machine. Right, yeah. And it was all through the day. In the morning, it was like a body was found, you know, at the residence of Kurt Cobain. And we're like, what the hell Did does he this murder mean? somebody? Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was like throughout the day, it was so, and yeah, then it was MTV. Then we put on the yeah, TV MTV and, and eventually. I saw the yeah. MTV and no, that was yeah. sort of a prince. I was getting texts being like, there's a body at Paisley Park. I'm right. like, oh, well, he probably had a friend over. It never even occurred to me yeah. that that could be the issue. But yeah. yeah, but that's a crazy concert to see that in 1994. Uh, I just want to name check this because it sounds like an amazing experience. And our, our, our super fan, Jude Hanna, Yes. Um, she says, Queen, 1977, Vancouver, B.C. Back then, we could get right up to the stage. I touched the hem of Freddie Mercury's bodysuit. It was amazing and soft. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I yeah. wish I could have seen Queen yeah, in that price. I wish Jeez. I could have touched that hem. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Touch that. Had, did you ever see Queen? Because one thing about Queen that I find fascinating is they were around a lot longer than people realized, you know, because now everyone loves them. But they went for years where people weren't seeing them. In the yeah, way. they were opening up. I mean, yeah. in the 70s, they opened up for a lot of bands in America. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, even later, while yeah. people were seeing bands in the late 80s, early 90s, they were still around, yeah. just not just not appreciated the way they're appreciated now. The, the so, fact that they, they, they came back and came back so hard and the appreciation for them is so... Uh, it's merited, but it is merited. It's it's kind of unexpected. I think it's very well done because I, I would not have seen it coming. I felt like we had moved past sort of seventies reawareness, and sure enough, Queen. Could, my kids know Queen more than anyone. You know, you know. I think what helped them be rediscovered, and this is ironic, and maybe uh, maybe it's ill thought out as well, is that they never received critical acclaim. Not really. Right. They, a, lo- mm-hmm. a lot of people felt that there was too much artifice and too much, and it wasn't real. You know. Well, like your that, brother-in-law with Radiohead. Yeah. 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 Well, no, but that's the time. <laughs> exactly. That is the timelessness of it where you don't have – you didn't need to be there at the time. Like there's things about Led Zeppelin whom I love, but you kind of have to be there for some songs and be like – Queen in its big showmanship thing is kind of never dated. I mean, or always dated. Do you know? It's a thereby yeah. – any kid can get into it right now. I think certain bands just survive that way. Yeah. And I just never thought I would see it with Queen. Um. Moving decades to the 80s, how about Extra Special Bitter at Paul de Vidmena? Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're maybe. reading these out loud. Yeah, I that's, don't know. That's, that's uh, definitely accurate. You should, you should take my license away from me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, REM opening for Gang of Four, New York City, 1981. That's Could you like a mic imagine drop. that? That's wow. amazing. I told you guys, Gang of Four is on my best debut albums. You guys got to listen to that album. Yeah. Well, and right. REM, when's Murmur? Is like 83? Like, it's not. For, yeah. it's, 80, what's REM in 1981? Guys? I, exactly. It's, I, 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 South Central Rain? I, I don't, I don't, well, <laughs> I don't what, some, what were they doing? They, yeah. I mean, it's, it is. That is an unbelievable show. One of my them. big regrets is going to see um, the police at Shea Stadium with nice. REM warming up for them. And my friend Alan and I were walking around the stadium looking to get tickets from scalpers and hearing REM playing inside. Uh, we didn't get in in time to see REM. Wow. Um, and you know why? Because the laws in New York were such at the time that you you couldn't um, offer 
people tickets. Oh wow! So like all these, people, all these yep. guys were walking around going. Yep. Everybody was walking around going. Are you selling tickets? Are you selling tickets? Yeah. Finally, after a half an hour and missing REM, mm-hmm. I say frustratedly to somebody who's asking me if I'm selling tickets. I'm like, no, everybody's asking that. We're just trying to buy them. <laughs> and he was like, shut up, man. I'm selling That's... tickets. How many do you need? <laughs> <laughs> you were making a faux pas, a rock faux pas. I was like, like 15. <laughs> How did they? Yeah. So, dude, I mean. They, they had open. the Chronic Town EP yes. in '82, and Radio Free Europe was the single. That they it, were that's just, it. sounds like we have a listener probably, who's misremembering. Wow. No, no, that's, <laughs> no. That's, no, that's entirely possible, if yeah. not probable, because they were on IRS. They're probably recording the record. They hadn't put it out. Now, speaking of opening acts, I I did see a Van Hagar era Van Halen show, which we don't talk about. But in 1991, Alice in Chains, like the original lineup mm-hmm. of Alice in Chains, opened, and they fucking crushed it. And it was pretty clear that that was going to be where things were headed. I also didn't realize at the time you wouldn't have the opportunity to see Alice in Chains much longer. Like, there's right. there's not much more than three or four years after that. Sure. Before it all goes to shit. So, uh, what a good what a good opening act. You know, that's yeah. why you should always see the opening act yeah, because you don't know the, Always see be. the opening act. Yeah, I saw Soundgarden open up for Guns N' Roses. <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty that's good. gotta be awesome. <laughs> that's a good one. Let me throw out a couple of quickies. Uh, Sean Schaffer says, Barry Manilow, even people who make fun of him are won over. I want to say that because I did a show at Barry Manilow's theater when he wasn't doing it. It was a, it was a, wait wait don't tell me, and so mm. we were hanging out in Barry Manilow's green room, and I remember he had an iPod there. It was Barry's iPod. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna look at Barry's iPod. Right. I want to see what Barry's really listening to, and it was all Barry Manilow on the iPod. <laughs> <laughs> and my, that's my gold. first thought was that's so self centered, and then my second thought was like, oh. He's made like a thousand songs, and he needs to hear his songs before he goes out and performs yep. them. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna Makes check. Sense. I'm gonna check what podcasts you subscribe to and see if they're only your podcasts yeah. too. Because you know uh, he didn't write the songs that made the whole world sing. He, no, was, no, he did Bruce not write McCann that song or something. Yeah, yeah somebody yeah. else wrote that song that's about yeah. writing songs. Um, Rob Lass says Charles Mingus and friends at Avery Fisher Hall in the seventies. Oh. Ooh, wow! That had to be amazing. I have a good Mingus story, but I'm not going to tell it right now. Translate Digital Marketing, <laughs> our friend at Translate <laughs> Digital Marketing says Radiohead, 2001, Oxford. Hmm. I bet that hometown. was about as good as yeah. it could get. It's yeah. their hometown. Yeah, because they're a bunch of uh, Oxfordians. Well, <laughs> Michael Williams here has seen, he saw Ozzy on the Diary of Madman tour with Randy Rhodes playing guitar, which also is like finding a unicorn to me. I can't yeah. believe that ever happened. And again, everyone took it for granted. You didn't know that you were going to have a year or two for that. So anyone who saw Randy Rhodes play, wow, I would kill to have had that experience. Speaking of uh, opening acts, mask up at Future Flapper on on, um, on Twitter says, Beck, with the flaming lips as the opener, and then Beck's band. Yeah, that that happened. When was that? The so the flaming lips, lips backed Beck. They did for a while. Yeah. In fact, in fact, if I remember right, the the theory was that Beck's, Beck's live show wasn't quite up to snuff, and they got the flaming lips to merge together to give Beck that push that he needed because flaming lips were great. And if I remember right, that was what what led to that tour. Came his coming back. I saw, I saw Beck. It was. Oh my gosh! He played at my school. Wow! Uh, and wow! In the summer of '97, maybe, and it was outdoors where my band played, just like your band played in the quad right. at school. Uh, you or mean the Midnight Electric and, Blue at Tufts yeah, University? Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. And um, there were maybe like 
20 people there. I was standing next to Mike D and Thurston Moore wow. watching Beck breakdance on a cardboard <laughs> box at like three in the afternoon. He had a show in New Jersey that night and it was some weird off free performance just outside. You could just walk up and see it. And it was fucking great. Oh, speaking of shows like wow. that, I that's saw a, that's an experience. It's crazy. I saw at, at a college at at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, but they may be giants when it was only the two guys. Yeah, and they came to the gym. Was it ever more than only the two? Yeah, guys? Oh, after yeah, that, and you man. know what? I saw <laughs> after that they put together a band. But oh, I didn't was, know it that. Was, it was I the saw end. their first concert with a band. Yeah, I didn't oh, wow. see that. Was the John Hen- John Henry era? This was the um, Apollo eighteen had just come out, and it was just just in a gym. It was just the two of them, you know, with with the accordions, and and they never. I don't think you could ever see just the two of them again. I think that was the last time. They, they I, I saw them with just the two of them, and uh, I remember I saw them at uh, Bottom Line, New York City, and it was the two of them and a giant metronome that they occasionally use <laughs> to, to yeah. open a show. It was, it, yeah. it was like the size That's of a grandfather great. clock, and it ticked. Uh, it was I saw them such at the Variety show. Arts Theater in New York. Nice. What's the Variety Arts Theater? I, need to be, I, need to be. I don't even remember where it was. I just remember uh, I, that was the, during the Lincoln era, I believe. That's a prime era. Yeah. That's, that's a good second album. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like 1863, <laughs> yeah. 64. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've seen them a bunch of times in, in concert, and they are, they are a really <laughs> good time. Um, I saw them most recently right before the pandemic. Oh. Someplace here in downtown L.A. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> I did see someone point this out. I someone was pointing out Matchbox Twenty and the Goo Goo Dolls, which was their favorite concert. Mm. I in 1993 saw the Goo Goo Dolls open for Soul Asylum, which is probably the most 90s experience I could <laughs> I could have had. This is pre-fame Goo Goo Dolls, but I was just like, this is I am so in in the zeitgeist of whatever 93 was was absolutely Soul Asylum. And, and I, I and went Goo to Dolls. that concert. Were you there? <laughs> the Goo Goo Dolls Matchbox Twenty. Oh, oh you were that one in 2013. Soul Asylum. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I saw that. This is my '93 concert. Okay. Someone, someone 2013. The 2013 yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Was Matchbox Twenty yeah. Gibson Amphitheater in Hollywood? That's yeah. Now I think uh, it's just the, the Harry uh, Potter world. It's yeah. now <laughs> yes, it's Harry Potter <laughs> world, and it was yeah, it was Universal Amphitheater, then Gibson Amphitheater, now Harry Potter world. I miss I miss the House of Blues on Sunset. Yeah. I miss the Gibson Amphitheater. Yeah. Like we lost some great. We did lose venues. some stuff. Moving on, uh, Stan. Stand with Ukraine, Solwist on Twitter says, and I'm bringing this up because we never talk about this man, and maybe there's a reason. Coldplay was pretty amazing. To yes. which uh, uh, Christian Boise says, just saw them in Atlanta. They're not my favorite band, but they may be my favorite live act. I've seen them twice, 10 years apart. Both shows rank in my top 10. That surprises me. We don't talk about Coldplay. He's like Bruno. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a strong enough opinion on Coldplay one way or the other, but that I guess I wouldn't be surprised. People do love Coldplay. People love Coldplay, and then the people who don't love Coldplay hate Coldplay. I don't know why they're so divisive. Yeah, I don't know why people – I think they have a problem with them because they're just so darn good. You love them. I think I think they're amazing. Uh, I think they're very talented. I have seen them in concert a number of times. They are great but i think it's one of those things where it's just so popular that people feel the need to be anti i think that That might that might be part of it that's often the case like they end up being nickelback like nickelback yeah but they end up being so successful and nobody seems to be that super inviting like they everyone seems like you would hate them if you hung out with them is what people feel like they feel like these people aren't he's so lovely i think think (laughs) everybody's nice but but i feel like everyone feels outside of them for some reason except for their fans 
Yeah. Jeffy, I saw you wincing when uh, Nickelback was name checked. Oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, sorry, it was involuntary. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Pavlovian. I didn't even realize it had happened. Pavlovian <laughs> response. <laughs> okay. Just, just, um, well, to that, to that point, I'm surprised, I'm surprised that nobody put U2 down on any of this. Oh, there's some say, U2. Okay. I saw some U2. There's a lot seen, of U2 here. I wasn't seeing much U2, and, yeah. and I have to say U2's done some of the best shows that I've seen that also have, like, have ever happened. will pay any price yeah. to see their shows. Wow. Yeah. The other day, no joke, apropos of nothing, I just uh, on YouTube watched U2 uh, at uh, um, Live Aid. I'm just oh, like, yeah. I need this oh, right now. Dude, I need I, I need bad right I now. I had never seen that until a couple years ago. Oh, really? I missed their performance of it, and I watched them change music for the decade, right? I watched, like, in, in, in this, if you haven't seen it, in the space of 10 minutes, Oof. you two go from being a band no one's heard of to changing their career as well as just how music is in that I remember seeing wow. that on television it's, when it, it happened. Is, it is still as yep. powerful today as it must have been then. It also explains my disdain for the Beach Boys, Young, because it cuts from you two changing music as we know it to the Beach Boys in Philadelphia, and they're all, they're like the cheesiest. They're not they're wearing shirtless shirts and stuff, and I was like, this is why I didn't like the Beach Boys. It's a shirtless shirt. I mean, sleeveless shirt. Oh, I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It's, you know, a it's a shirt that doesn't shirt. wear a shirt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like most, you wear a shirt, but shirts. then that shirt isn't wearing a shirt. <laughs> yeah. You Most know, times shirts shirt. have to wear shirts. Yeah. Do they now? Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, check out U2 on Live Aid again if you can. Well, there was a lot of U2 here. Obviously, there's a lot of prints. There was a lot of. Uh yeah, yeah, those were I think were the the most common answers. There was a bunch of Led Zeppelin, um, uh, uh, which stuns me again. Yeah, said so that that there are living people who saw Led Zeppelin. <laughs> we're still I like this one just because it sounds so awesome. Dale Palmer says Joni Mitchell, Van Morrison, and Bob Dylan all in the same concert at UCLA. When did that happen? Wow, that is that is crazy. I mean, for Joni, it was sort of like, you know. Uh, put on some roller skates and she's there in five minutes from her from from the sure. hills. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean it is interesting too. Like we we now have a lot of package tours because that's the way people go on the tours. But some of these early package tours where they were packaged based on management or whatever, and they all became legends. It's stunning mm-hmm. to me that that was a concert that happened. Here's a fun one. I just like this story, so I'm going to read you this story. This is from Frank Hodgdu, who is uh, following us on the Facebook group, which is really kind of fun. You guys should consider signing on to and following the Facebook group. Helmet, April 1st, 1997 at Lupo's, Providence, Rhode Island. I was a freshman in college, and it snowed four feet that day. Classes were canceled, and the whole town shut down, but Lupo's stayed open. Buddy and I body surfed the snow all the way down the hill to the venue. 30 people showed up, tops, but Helmet played their fucking asses off, took requests, bantered with the audience, and then drank with us for hours afterward. The most intimate, fun, and wholly satisfying concert of my life. Wow. I love that story. That's a great story. And Paige, the uh, singer and guitar player of Helmet, is an amazing guy, an amazing musician, and they still bring it to this day. They were one of the tightest bands, and I think so underappreciated. They're so fucking good. Are you into Helmet at all? I'm into Helmet the right amount. (laughs) (laughs) The right amount for you. Yeah, yeah. I just mean I like Helmet. I have no problem with Helmet. I like Helmet. I like the hit Helmet songs. I didn't follow Helmet past. Maybe bring some Helmet as a hidden treasure at some point. Yeah. (laughs) Make zero commitment. Yeah, Yeah. I will. I will. That's a future hidden treasure, uh, whoever that was on Facebook. I I wouldn't be surprised if they were great. Like, this is does not... I wouldn't be surprised. No, this isn't shocking to me that they're great. There's not a band that I've that I followed. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. There are certain... Uh... Here's a fun one, and because this is the other guy that I was trying to think of that everybody's mentioning. Uh, Andrew Hayes says, Springsteen, Hyde Park, London, 2012. 
And yeah. then he adds, Paul McCartney came on at the end, and the local what? council cut the sound after they played a couple of songs together because it was going on too long. Shame on you, Hyde Park local Shame council. Shame on. <laughs> no one on stage knew the cat crowd couldn't hear anything. Weird end to a great gig. I love I love when the guests come on. Uh, Jeffy and I were at a Prince concert once uh, when uh, Alicia Keys yeah. came on, That's and true. and instead of getting behind the piano. Prince got behind the piano. She got on the piano and sang. And by the way, Prince could play piano. Oh yeah, he probably, better, probably better than either. It turns probably out. better <laughs> it turns, than any other instrument. Turns out, yeah. Well, um, time does. But wait, not... I want to. I want to just. There's oh, one story that was brought on because I love the walk-ons and the other great walk-on story. Although I think this is planned, it, but it's just the best. Is I saw um, Rufus Wainwright warm up for Ben Folds at the Wiltern, but um, at at the end of the show he came on and he. Clearly been drinking downstairs in the dressing room. But the two of them did this unbelievably killer duet of Careless Whisper. Wow. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty special. Um, someone, I was saying Sounds someone on cool. Facebook, Daniel Domique, um, saw Springsteen on the Darkness of the Edge of Town tour in 1978, which I can't imagine wow. how good that must have been. That's wow prime. I mean, if you have a chance to watch that No Nuke Springsteen, which is the River era, that... Might be one of the best concerts I've ever seen. It just came out, and, and it's like a lost concert, and it's in my top maybe five concerts I've ever seen in my life. It's such a great wow. show. We don't touch on Springsteen and the E Street Band that much, but uh, the E Street Band is not uh, a terrible uh, organization of musicians. No, and as I've gotten older, I've appreciated it more than ever. In fact, at the time, being younger, that whole sort of 70s throwback to the 50s thing was everywhere. John Cafferty, like there was a bunch of, there was like a subgenre of, Springsteen light, and now as I've gotten older, I'm like, this band was so much better than even I knew. They were really great. I, I don't, I don't get the throwback to the '50s part of it. Oh, the saxophone, the sort of it was, it was the white yeah. T-shirt with the sleeves exactly. rolled up. <laughs> okay. We're the same age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was relevant to yeah. the time, but also reminded baby boomers Nostalgia. of the music that they loved if, growing up. Okay, yeah. Yeah. any anyone here, uh, Eddie and the Cruisers? Yes, fan? that's exactly right. I, I'm not, I but I know who they are. Put myself in their fandom, <laughs> but yes, yeah. the I'm film. It, what, yeah. you, you guys didn't watch in your little. Film it wasn't on HBO club? Every, every single day. Oh, every yeah, single no, day. I'm, for I'm very, very much. Oh, aware. okay. Yes. Okay, good. Eddie I, and I the Cruisers just, Two, though. Oh yes, which is a summer of '89 release. Is that like yeah. Grease Two? Oh, it's it's it in many ways <laughs> like Grease Two. It sounds like. <laughs> It's fantastic. I yeah. don't want to give it away, but listen, Eddie grew a mustache, moved to Canada, and nobody recognized him. him. Nobody wow. recognized yeah. him. He had a mustache. It's yeah. not Eddie. Yeah. He's dead. Eddie's dead. <laughs> Eddie's dead. Yeah. All right. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band yeah. did the soundtrack to Eddie and the Cruisers, which is what Kevin's which referencing. Was, yeah, which was yeah. his second, third-rate Springsteen and the E Street Band. There was there was a lot of imitators. Yes. There were a lot of imitators. Because no, he was there, so great. He was so great. And he and everyone else was like, I'll get a band with eight people and a saxophone player, and, and that'll be my thing. I'll be yeah. good, too. No, yeah. But none of them got the professor. That's the problem. They get the professor. They they have a band, but none of them did. No, absolutely. And then there are other talking people. about Roy Bitten. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Keyboards. We get it. Piano. Yes. Big part of any good rock and roll. Gonna <laughs> 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 put a plug in. Finally brings it back. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying it with Prince. Prince plays piano well, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 Oh, I didn't so, even realize that. Yeah. 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 He's been really working this in. Alicia um, Keys. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Scott B at Tribal Guitars on Twitter for the. Uh, Kiss reunion tour. I second that emotion. Was Scott it B. a good? I remember when it happened. Yeah, yeah. Was it good? It was. You. It's. You can't. 
you can't know if it was good. Do you understand? So, <laughs> I so, do. No, no, I let do me explain. Understand. No, I believe so, that makes perfect sense so, to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Kevin, as you're pining away for the fact that you never got to see Van Halen sure, in its prime, sure, right? right? So, I never got to see Kiss, uh, you know, yeah, in, yeah, in the 70s. It. Yes. And then sure. imagine years later, they come back and they play the exact show of the live sure. album with all the stuff. You can't judge. I was immediately on my feet singing every single word. Right. I, 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 I couldn't tell you. I, 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 you know what? I hear that, and I'm sensitive yeah. to it, but I disagree with the notion that Kevin can't judge. <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, he just I said judged he couldn't you. understand. No, 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 I said I he couldn't understand. understand. No, my yeah. point is, I get yeah. where you can't tell if something's good or bad. It just is. Do it you know doesn't I mean? it matter. Just, it doesn't matter. It, it transcends quality at that <laughs> it's point. It's the experience. I absolutely get it. What's well, also hilarious is Kiss's reunion, which was about '96, which is yeah. now 26 years ago. Yep. It seemed like they had been gone forever. It had seemed like holy shit, this band's been gone for a century. They've been, they've been, their reunion has been longer than their first. For career. someone yeah. who's not a Kiss fan, you talk about. I Kiss can a talk lot. about Kiss he all loves day. Kiss. I can talk about it all day. Such a Kiss fan. Yep. So thank you uh, at Tribal Guitar. Yeah, Stuffy. and thank you all our listeners. It's, it's it's such an amazing thing to be able to you know to do these little mini episodes where you guys bring your experiences to us. So please keep that coming. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, and send your emails to dadbandland at gmail.com. We read them all, we answer them all. Um, Dadbandland is produced by me and Jeffy Branion. There's no montage, so I can't credit Jeffy with it this week. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. And Dadbandland will be back next week. TBL! Star Bands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.